So we're in a series called Go Eat Popcorn. We're actually going to wind this one up today. Uh, for me, I'm always a little sad when I finish a series. I like series. It's kind of, it's, you know, direction and everything. So it's kind of like saying goodbye to a friend, like somebody moving away. Um, for me, and for most of you, it's like, finally, I never thought he'd finish. Um, but I know where we're headed, so that's a good thing. And uh, we've got a new series coming. But this series has been about uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. We called it Go Eat Popcorn, so you could remember those things. And uh, these, these letters that Paul wrote to the churches are just filled with foundational truths that we need to know in order to experience the full and abundant life that Jesus has uh, come for us to have. And so we've been digging into that together, and we're in Colossians now. We're going to be in chapter 4 today, and um, I'm going to talk today out of chapter 4 about the importance of prayer and what that looks like. So that's where we're heading. That's the intro transition. Always a bad joke or two. These, are, I'm told, are quite bad, so uh, that makes me very happy. I know a guy who has a fear of being in a crowded vehicle and going through an underground passage. They call it carpool tunnel syndrome. That gets worse from there. That's the highlight. Never challenge death to a pillow fight unless you're prepared for the repercussions. Repercussions. See, I liked it. But I'm not right. I'm going to do it. A number and a letter were having a race. About halfway, (laughs) the number was leading by 30 yards. Go figure. Go figure. Go figure. Go figure. Figure. The number. Figure. Go. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm trying to convince my wife it's not terrible, and she's, she's not there. Scripture reading here on purpose, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Blessed be the word of the Lord. The verse that really popped out of me in that passage that I want to spend some time with today is the beginning of uh, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Now that's a a pretty intense um, encouragement from the Apostle Paul that we're to be devoted to prayer. So I want to talk today about prayer looked at some surveys, church surveys from various groups, uh, and all those surveys show that the average Christian, somebody that attends church on somewhat of a regular basis, spends somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes a week in prayer. 10 to 15 minutes a week for the average believer. Um, and, and I just think we need to do better than that. Th- this is not a, a guilt message or anything else. I just, I just have this thought that we can do better than that. And that there are things working against us that we need to talk about. And then maybe some practical helps on on some ways to pray. So we're going to try and accomplish that in our time together. And and to sort of set the the tone, I want to go and look at a story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, And in this story, Jesus has taken his friends to be with him 
uh, and he's brought them in and he wants them to pray. He wants them to hang out and pray because he's going through a lot. And he, you can see how important it is for him to have his friends praying with God he's going through. And they don't quite measure up. Uh, and we'll talk about why in a minute. But with that in mind, let's, let's look at what's going on in the Garden of Gethsemane. So in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. So there we go. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So there's a lot going on in this passage and in what's happening. And so he's in a garden and I want to just sort of talk about that in a minute because there's some things that are happening in this period of time that will let you see how important prayer really is. So way back in Genesis chapter 2, and we touched on this before, you know, there's a, there's a garden that takes place in the, in the creation, and we find out that Adam uh, is a gardener. Uh, Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we're introduced to Adam, and, and that's kind of his role there in, in the garden. He's to take care of the garden. But we know that Adam sins, and after the fall, there are two sort of consequences or judgments that God puts on the earth because of Adam's disobedience. Uh, and the first one is in Genesis 3, 17, and both of them are here, verse uh, 1 and 2, uh, verse 17. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will return. So the first thing that we find out there is that by the sweat of his brow, Adam would earn his bread from now on and also the earth would, would bring forth thorns and thistles to sort of fight him in the process. So think of Adam as a gardener. Now, move ahead to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we have the new Adam, Jesus, and, and, and there's a new garden thing taking place, and the suffering of Jesus begins here in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, it says, He, uh, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So um, some people think that it was actual blood. It, it, it was just a descriptive word. He, he just, his brow begins to sweat as he's there in the garden. And you say, well, what's going on with that? Well, see, by, by his sweat, what he's doing is Jesus is earning for us the bread of life. He's taking on the very consequences of Adam, and he's, the, the sweat of his brow is a picture of that. And the other curse that was there was about thorns and thistles. I've had trouble saying thorns and thistles, so I'm really working on it at the moment. Um, so remember the Romans weave together this, this crown of thorns, uh, Matthew 27, 29, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head, and they put a staff in his right hand, and then they knelt in front of him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews, 
they said. So they, they take this crown of thorns and they press it on this very same brow that had been sweating and it's another picture of, of Jesus taking on the consequences of Adam's sin in a very personal, personal way. And then he, he's, he's taken to the cross after that and, and remember he's stripped naked to his shame. Once again he's taking on the shameful nakedness of Adam and then in the very way that he's crucified we know that the way they did that, that nail would have gone through his heel and, and there's another verse that we talk about all the time, Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so everything that's happening there in the garden as Jesus prepares for what's coming up, he's taking on the consequences of Adam's sin. And why that's important for us is because if he'll take on the consequences of Adam's sin because of his disobedience, he's going to take on ours as well. And he's going to pay for all of them so that we can have life once again. So this is a huge thing that's taking place there in the garden as he's taking on these things. And so it's against that background that I I want you to think about what's happening with Jesus as he goes. He takes his disciples, his friends, to the garden. And he leaves a group of them in one spot. He takes his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. He says, listen, guys, I need you to come with me because this is just really intense. Everything that's coming up, Jesus knew what was coming. And he says, I want you to watch with me and to pray with me as I go on. And so he takes the three a little closer into the garden and he just separates from them a little bit. And he begins to pray. It says he's in anguish over this whole process of everything that's happening. And he goes out just a little while later to check on his friends and he finds them, they're asleep. All of them are sleeping. And, and he says, it's interesting, actually says to Peter uh, this question. He says, he says, listen, couldn't you guys just stay awake with me for an hour? Couldn't you hang out with me for an hour in this time? Couldn't you pray for, for just a little while? And he says it to Peter, and it's important that, that you, you see that because Peter had just said to the Lord that no matter what, he would never forsake him. I will be with you wherever you go. I'm going to be there. And I believe full on that Peter meant every word of that. I believe it, uh, that, that that's what he meant. That's his desire in the process. And yet here in this extremely intense time, Jesus in great need, Peter can't even manage to stay awake in the process. And, and I love Jesus. He's always encouraging in that. Even he says it. He, he acknowledges the weakness of the flesh. And he, but he encourages them once again to watch and pray. And see, I think this is the issue when it gets to prayer with all of us. Because I, I got to tell you, my, my desire is to follow Jesus well, is to be a disciple, is to, is to be where he needs me to be and live the way he wants me to live. But, but I have things that get in the way. My flesh is weak sometimes. I'm, I'm selfish sometimes. I'm, I'm not living, you know, my issues sort of, sort of get in the way. And what happens is where prayer should be the highest priority in our lives, something that Paul says we're to be devoted to, it gets pushed down into the busyness of our lives. And, and, and so instead of something that, that's, the, the, you know, the priority, it becomes an afterthought for, for many of us, where we just barely are finding time for it. The service between, you know, less than two minutes a day for believers in prayer. And, and I, I just, I think if we get a hold of how important it is, and we understand the struggle, that we can embrace it more, and, and we can be better at this way of praying and connecting with the Father. And so you have to know that, that we have some flesh issues that, that get in the way. We also have a very real enemy. Uh, and we touched on this last week um, as we talked about reading the Word. I said the enemy doesn't want you reading the Word. Um, the other thing the enemy doesn't want you doing is praying. 
Because these last two chapters of Colossians, living out the gospel, Paul has made this emphasis on reading the Word and praying because that's where we really get a hold of this life and can live it in a very dynamic way, in a way that makes a difference for us and the world around us. And the enemy hates it. So he did everything he can to keep you from engaging in those two things. And if he can keep you from reading the Word, what happens is you get consumed by the fear of the culture. And if he can keep you from praying, you'll be consumed with worry. And if you just kind of step back and look, I think you would notice that our culture is really, the hallmarks of our culture now are are fear and worry. It's everywhere. We're we're fearful of everything. We worry about everything in the process. And even as believers, it's it's taking us off track and it causes us to lose um, perspective and and focus. These things cause us to stop really trusting God the way we should. They they weaken our faith. They they cause us to lean on our own understanding and abilities to try and make everything work out instead of knowing that God is with us and for us and that God is good. You need to know that, that worry and fear are the opposite of prayer and faith. And so the, the question really becomes, will we allow ourselves to be consumed by the, by the culture, by the fear of the culture, become people of worry and fear, or will we remember what it means to be a child of God, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, to, to look at all that Jesus has done and remember it, little things like th- what took place in the garden, how important that is, that if he was willing to take on the consequences of Adam's sin, he'll take on ours as well so that we can have life and, and, and encourage us that even though the, the flesh is weak, he gets it, but the spirit is willing to encourage us to press in and to engage and to become people of prayer and faith. Prayer, it has to fill up that, that space in your life that worry has taken hold of. I will touch on worry from time to time here. If you've been here before, you know that because we're consumed with worry. Most of us are really good at worry. Some of you are like the best worriers I've ever met. And, and the reason is you're very well practiced. You spend a lot of time developing it. Because for the most person, worry, something will happen and worry will kick in and we'll take our, our God-given holy imaginations and we'll use them for purposes they weren't made for and we'll begin to imagine every possible outcome of an event that hasn't even happened yet. And we can get hundreds of them going. And we'll spend so much energy and time thinking about what we might do if this happens or this happens or this happens or this happens or this happens and it churns us and and just kind of ruins us for life. And and we forget that we have a God who loves us and cares for us. And if He was willing to take on the sins of Adam, He's taken on ours as well. We can trust Him. He's got us now and forever. But but we we have to ask, you know, when you move into worry, you, you really need to begin to pray, God, will you just let me get myself caught that moment. Holy Spirit, let me know that I'm sliding into that worry place where I can spend a whole lot of time. Let me catch it immediately so I can switch it around to something that matters. You know, I, I'm, I'm always giving you this verse, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That I, I know that verse because I say it all the time. I try and get it right away so that I don't waste time in, in worry and, and fear about things that aren't going to happen or don't really matter anyway because I can trust God. So, so we need to embrace the idea of prayer. And our prayers really just need to be simple and honest communication with our Heavenly Papa. That's what it's all about. So I have three types that I want to run through real quickly that I think might help um, because have you ever, when you go to pray, does this ever happen to you? Do, do you sort of start thinking about everything else? 
when you start to your, do your mind wander? Do you get distracted? You can't stay focused. All, your, all of a sudden, your mind's over here. Or do you ever notice sometimes when you go to pray, you get sleepy? Anybody ever get sleepy when you start doing? Yeah. You weren't sleepy a minute ago, and all of a sudden, you can barely keep your eyes open. Well, it's part of that's attack, and part of that's flesh. And part of it is we just need to try some new things. So, three points, real quick. First one, in your prayers, have prayers of thanks. I like to start my prayers with prayers of thanks. Um, in Colossians 4.2, it says, the end of it says, being watchful and thankful. Uh, if you don't pray with thanksgiving, what happens is your prayers usually become pretty selfish, and they get you off track pretty quick. So you need to start by being thankful. And let me tell you that, that even in the most difficult of situations, you can always find things to be thankful for in your life, always. And start with those things. Sometimes it's real small things. Sometimes it's great big things. But you start with what you're thankful for. And here we've always said be thankful for five things. You know, you seem to be encouraged to people. So there's something about being thankful. Starting with an attitude of thanks that changes everything and the way that you go throughout your day. It just makes you settled and realize the goodness of God and that He's got you, and that He's for you. And it will change the, the entire way that you pray. You start by being thankful. It's certainly okay to ask for prayers for yourself and for your family and those things, but you don't want that to be all of that. You, you want to start with being thankful for what He's done and knowing that you can trust Him and that He's got you. So you, you start with some time of thanks and just, just be thankful in the midst. You'll see it makes a big, big difference. A second thing to do is to pray the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. Now, um, I'm a big fan of the Psalms, so I've written a devotion book on the Psalms. I, I spend time in the Psalms every day. I just think it's a point. Some people um, get a little weirded out by the Psalms because they're, they're very real and very honest in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of emotion in the Psalms, and there's people that are mad in there, angry with God in the Psalms, and there's people really depressed in the Psalms, and there's, and there's very joyful people and everything. It's an expression of everything that we sort of experience. And so they're to be embraced, not shied away from. So I spend a lot of time in the Psalms. And, and I want to encourage you to, to pray the Psalms. So I, I've got one for you. Uh, Psalm uh, 103, uh, verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Now, that, that's cool to read the Psalms. I like to read the Psalms. But when I'm talking about praying the Psalms, see, I'm trying to, you know, make sure I'm not falling asleep and I'm trying to make sure that I'm connected. And so I will often take a Psalm like that and I'll get my Bible or my reading device, whatever I happen to have there, because, you know, however you do that now. Mine's usually a big giant iPad that's lit. Um, so I don't have to put my glasses on. That's a vanity thing, but never mind. So... I'll take that, and I'll actually get up out of my chair, because reading it's cool, but I'll start to pray it. God, praise, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. God, you, you are amazing, God. I love you from the very inmost part of my being. I praise your holy name. Lord, Lord I, I don't want to forget all your incredible benefits. You've forgiven all my sins, God. You, you heal my diseases. You've, you've redeemed my life from the pit. You've, you've crowned me with love and compassion. You satisfy uh, my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm a big fan of that verse. Doesn't that sound pretty good, right? Especially if you're a little achy or something. The Lord, Lord, you work righteousness 
and justiceness for the oppressed. You, you've made your ways known. God, you are compassionate and gracious. You're slow to anger, abounding in love. You, you do not treat me, God, the way that my sins deserve or, or repay me, God, according to my iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love for all those who, who fear you. As far as for the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from me. Look, spend a little time doing that. It will change your prayer life. Now, your, your cat might look at you a little weird, to mine does, but I don't fall asleep doing it, and, and I start to engage it. So pray, pray a psalm, you, you, I, I, you know, whatever that takes, but it's, it's more than reading it just then, right? You're actually embracing it. So pray the psalms, that'll change. Third, this is something you can all do, and I think this is really helpful, and this is called praying on the exhale. That's what I call it, um, praying on the exhale. And, and I started doing this without even knowing that it was a thing, but it is a thing. Um, it's actually called breath prayer, and uh, it's a spiritual discipline that's out there, and it's very, very helpful. And um, breath, see, there's something that ties breath and prayer together, because um, prayer, you know, breath, when you breathe, it's, it's actually the very first thing, the first action you're going to take when you come out of the womb, and it's the absolute last thing you're going to do here in this physical side of life. So it, it's the beginning, it's the end, is actual breathing, all right? And it plays a, a role throughout the Scripture. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we see that all Scripture is God-breathed. The very, the very breath of God is in the Word. And even the words in, in the Greek and the Hebrew for spirit um, actually mean breath, as well. And so there's a definite connection between, um, you know, this idea of our uh, breathing in our physical existence, but also in our spiritual nourishment. And this type of prayer began with uh, the desert monks in the you know, 200s, 100s, 200s, 300s AD. Uh, and they actually began it as a way to fulfill 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which says, pray continually, which is a pretty tough verse pray continually. And so they began to, to pray in these verses and incorporate them as they were breathing. The very first verse that we have recorded they used was Luke 18, 13, God have mercy on me, a sinner. So they would breathe in, and on the exhale, God have mercy on me, a sinner. They over time shortened it. To, in some recounts, it's just a, a breathe in and Jesus' mercy. And then they began to add to it other things and thoughts and ideas as they were praying. And there's something about especially if you have a tendency to drift when you pray. Um, there's something about breathing and changing your breathing that will help you stay focused. And so, so I breathe in, and, and not a huge deep breath, but I'll breathe in, and if I'm getting distracted, am I breathing in? I will really focus in on the Lord. I will try and push, I will actually push away those thoughts. Just get them away. And on the exhale, I'll either pray a verse, or I'll pray a, 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 you know, a thought to the Lord, like, like I'll breathe in, and I love you, Lord. God, have your way in me. Let your, let your will be done in me. Let your kingdom come in me. And I, I'm going faster here now than I would because of time. But, but you get the idea. And, I, and, and you, you practice it and you get, you get much better at it. One of the things that I try and do on my ride in, it takes me about 10 minutes or so from, from where I live and venture out to get here to the facility. I'll often try and exhale, breathe, and pray all the way here. And, and just let that become a part of my routine. Let me say, though, I'm encouraging you, though, if you're praying when you're driving, please understand you have to keep your eyes open. Does that... I don't want anybody telling me they had issues because, well, I was doing what you said, and now I got big problems. So eyes open, pay attention, but you can do both. 
And, and you just begin to make it a part of your happen. And you'll see all of a sudden now you're finding time that you didn't think you had for prayer. See, we're opening up some time. We're going to get rid of all the worry. We're going to embrace some prayer instead of that in the process. And we've got some tools now to help us so that we can begin to pray. And like I said, it's not a guilt trip, but we, we can do better than a minute or two. We, we just can. And why we do that is because the Heavenly Father, he, he wants to engage with us. See, this is how as kids we engage with the Father. This, this week... Uh, uh, and often, almost every week, one of my joys, Alice and I, we, we talk about this, is that our children, our grown children, call us um, often. We see them often, but they call us often. And they call us when they're in, having some sort of difficulty. They call us when they're celebrating something. Sometimes they just call us to call us. And, and uh, it's a joy to us when, when they call us because they're, they're still engaged. And think about the heart of the Father. See, that's what prayer is. It's just us calling on Him no matter what the situation. And, and my heart is, explodes with it, so I know that it explodes the heart of God too. He loves that. That's what He wants from us. And, and so we have the kids call us and they FaceTime us now. One of, the, one of the granddaughters has a phone now. She calls us all the time. And uh, <laughs> she's getting a little better now. The first day they gave it to her, like 400 phone calls. Nana, granddad, Nana, granddad. Yes, you have a phone. Okay. Still, what a joy, right? Ultimately, well, I just think about the, the heart of the Father. Is that that's what He gets when you pray. His kids checking in with Him. That's what we need to be. And, and so my whole thing is, is let's just engage and be people of prayer. Let's not be consumed by the culture and be people of fear and worry. Let's be people of prayer and faith who, who love to spend time in the Word, who love to hang out and pray, and who press through. Remember, you have this enemy trying to stop it and all the distractions of the culture, but just press in, press through, and just spend some quality time engaging with Papa in, in this kind of relationship. Let me end it with this quote. I love this quote. This is from C.S. Lewis. He says this, I pray because I, I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. See, that's at the heart of it. It changes us. It lets us know that we can rest in Him and that we can trust Him and that He's good and that He's got us and we can stop being consumed by the culture and the fear and the worry and we can settle in His peace. So that's my heart for you guys, just to encourage you to embrace this and to pray and be people of prayer and and just let it start to happen in your life and you'll see it makes a significant difference in your life. Amen? Ministry team, those here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over that wall are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. They'll pray for healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. Let me pray for you as a group, and then we'll dismiss. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us and for the privilege we have of connecting to you. Help us, God, to, to just push past all of the distractions and everything that happens and really connect with you. And, and God, as it changes us, let it also impact the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as our Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus, 
as your Lord and Savior. Let's take care of that as well. It's, it's humility and faith. It's just admitting to the fact that you're, you're broken like all the rest of us here. You've sinned. Asking God to forgive you, which you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. Best decision you will ever make. If you need help, just walk over there and tell somebody over there on the prayer team, I want to know Jesus. They'll know exactly what you mean, and they'll pray for you. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, draw people in, God, for the 11 o'clock service so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. You are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom. Ghost. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Stay comfortably cool out of the heat. If you can, catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.